a snake in this connection, there is a statement by Prabodhananda Sarasati. Vishwam Purna Shukayati, everyone in this material world is distressed by the miserable conditions. But Shira Prabodhananda Sarasati says that this world is full of happiness. How is it that possible? He answers, Yat Karunya Kataksha Vai Bhava Vatam Tam Goram Maha A devotee accepts the distress of this material world as happiness only due to the causeless mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu by his personal behavior. Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu showed that he was never distressed but always happy in chanting the Hare Krishna Mahamantra. One should follow in the footsteps of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and engage constantly in chanting the Mahamantra. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. Then he will never feel the distress of the world of duality in any condition of life, one will be happy if he chants the holy name of the Lord. In dreams, we sometimes enjoy eating sweet rice and sometimes suffer as if our beloved family member had died. Because the same mind and body exist in the same material world of duality when we are awake, the so-called happiness and distress of this world are no better than the false superficial happiness of the dream, sorry, of dreams. The mind is the via medium of, is the via medium in both dreams and wakefulness, and everything created by the mind in terms of Sankalpa and Vikalpa accepted Sorry, acceptance and rejection is called manodharma or mental concoction. So here is a very uh, instructive statement. The example that is given here is that as one mistakenly considers a flower garland to be a snake or experiences happiness and distress in a dream, so in the material world, by lack of careful consideration, we differentiate between happiness and distress, considering one good and the other bad. So here, this of course is a statement in this chapter uh, where Mother Poverty had just cast Chitraketu. So Chitraketu is responding, is sort of like receiving this curse with uh, a very highly evolved consciousness the consciousness of transcendence. 
This can only happen when one has come to the stage of fully blossomed consciousness. Uh, it is explained that there are different levels of consciousness. Uh, the plants and, and trees, they have what is called uh, diminished consciousness. And then other living entities like aquatics and water, they are in a stage of covered consciousness. So, as living beings evolve in terms of space, they will be in a certain degree of consciousness. And then human beings who are pious, they are said to be in a, a padding consciousness, like a consciousness in a state of a bad, not fully open. But those who are on the path of spirituality, they are said to be, to have a consciousness that is blossoming. But when one is at the stage of vow, is said to have fully blossomed consciousness. And this can be judged in terms of how they respond to uh, different situations that they may encounter in life. So here we see how Chitraketu is responding to this case by poverty, by singing the glories of devotional service. So this is there also in the Shumad Bhagavatam, in the, in the first canto, we found a similar situation where Maharaj Parikshit is meeting with the bull and the cow, who were attacked by Kali. And Kali had cut off the three legs of the bull and the bull was standing on one leg. And this bull is said to be the representative or the personification of Dharma. So Maharaj Parishit asked, Who has done this to you, my dear bull? And then the bull didn't respond. He said, Oh, great amongst human beings, it is very, very difficult to ascertain the, the particular miscreants who has caused our suffering because uh, we are bewildered by all different types of opinions. Uh, there are different philosophers with different opinions. Uh, some who, who deny all sorts of dualities claim that one self is responsible for his 
personal happiness and distress. And therefore, we are unable to ascertain exactly who is the cause. So in that way, the bull was making the same point that I cannot say this person of Kali, this Kali is caused, is the cause of our distress. Yes, so the similar statement also is found in the 12th candle. Jibitam maranam jandur spinayivakarmanam pradattasu kadukayu. There it says that the living entity, the jiva, jibitam maranam jandur, he causes his happiness and distress. How? Svanayvakarmana, by his activities. Nobody is responsible for anyone's happiness and distress in this world. This was a statement by Brihaspati to King Janmijai, who thought that the snake had killed his father, and therefore he should revenge by uh, embarking on a very big yagya to ban all the snakes. And then the king stopped banning the snakes when he, he was told that actually nobody is responsible for anyone's happiness and distress. Just by our activities, we create our happiness or distress. So the same here is being uh, realized by Chitraketu. That, okay, I've been cast. Oh, that's fine. Yes, that's a part of reality, yes. So here you say that this happiness and distress is just like a flower garden who sometimes is mistaken for a snake. So he says that it's like experiences of happiness uh, and distress in a dream. Why is this? This is due to lack of careful consideration that we differentiate happiness and distress. Considering one to be good and the other to be bad. Yes. Because of dualities. So these dualities are due to our influence or being influenced by the three modes of material nature. So the three modes of material nature influences us to perceive things in this world in a particular way. So the more of passion and the more of ignorance induces our mind into distress. From distress, bewilderment arises. And then from bewilderment, one's mind is completely diverted from the goal. It becomes distracted. So therefore, 
the practices of yoga, whether it's bhakti yoga or hatha yoga or any type of yoga, focuses on purifying the mind from the three modes of material nature. Now when the mind is purified, it comes to the stage of concentration, which is called Eka-Grata. From Eka-Grata, a mind can become fully controlled. So when the mind is fully controlled, one can become peaceful even in the most challenging situations like we see here Chichaketu is being cursed he has to die and become a demon yeah, which was a challenge for someone of his caliber so but he did not lament he did not try to counteract rather he accepted this curse and used it to meditate on the Lord. So this is how a devotee should be that he should see the mercy of Krishna in all situations. He should be able to see the mercy of Krishna also in distress. So this is the goal. But those who are influenced by the more passion and ignorance immediately when distress presents itself, they lose hope. They cannot understand that actually sorrow and distress are just uh, yoked together for a specific purpose. Because there are different expressions of the same uh, psychological condition, which is excessive emotional tension. But to us appears to be different emotions. It's like there was one story that came out from BTG in the 90s of one Chinese man. This Chinese man had a horse and one son. So one day the horse went missing. He just disappeared. And this horse was very useful in his household. Suddenly he just vanished. So that when the neighbors heard that the horse went missing, they came to sympathize with this man, saying, oh, this horse is very bad. It's so bad that he just left you like that. And then the man said, no, it's not bad. It can be bad, it can be good. You can't say it's good, you can't say it's just bad. It can be both. And then after some time, after a few weeks, the horse came back. And he came back with two 
friends who were wild horses. And then the neighbors, when they, they saw this horse back, but also with more horses, and then they, they said, oh, this horse, we thought he was bad, he's very good. And then this man said, no, you can't say it's good, you can't say it's good. And then he engaged his son to train these wild horses. While his son was trying to tame them, one of them flung him to the ground and he broke his leg. So then the neighbors came to sympathize, like, oh, it's very, very bad. These horses are very, very bad. And then this wise man said, no, you can't say it's bad. It can be bad, it can be good. So then, after that, the king of that area decided to wage war with the neighboring country, and Shortly after that, he sent his soldiers to recruit, recruit all young men in his kingdom. So they came to his house, they found this young man. But when they came closer, they realized that he had a broken leg. Because this one is not fit for the army, and then they left him. So in that way, the, the old man was making the point that we cannot say when something bad happened, is very bad. It can be for some good purposes. Because in a broken leg he survived going to the earth. So this is the nature of the material world. We see it in terms of dualities. We take good to be <coughs> what is good, we take it to be auspicious. What is bad as inauspicious. But in, in higher reality, they are all the same. You cannot say good is good, it's always good. Within good, there could be some badness also. Yes. So that is how a transcendentalist sees. Therefore, Shumat Bhagavatam explains that there are two types of people that can be said to be completely happy. A person who has transcended the remorse of material nature, who has completely surrendered at the lotus feet of the Lord, who is in complete self-realization. And then another person is a retarded fool. A retarded fool, a person who is retarded, is happy because he doesn't understand that he's cold or he's hot. He doesn't understand that there is uh, happiness and distress. Yeah, he's just like a child. So he is also above the world. Anybody else will always be in anxiety because of seeing good and seeing bad. So this is the nature of the material world, that due to dualities, we always experience happiness and experiencing, and, and we also experience distress. Why? Because we don't have that 
vision. This point also was proved by Birbal to his king Akbar. Once he made a point that people do not have eyes. And the king was saying, what do you mean by that? Everyone can see. He said, no, they are not seeing. I can prove that. So then he went to the marketplace with a piece of cloth, like a chadar. This chadar was big enough to be the size of a dhoti, like my chadar. I can wear it as dhoti. So then, when he, when he got to the market, he called people and said, I want to show you something. He said, you see this? Yeah. Yes, we can see. He said, okay. And he put it like this. He said, what is this? He said, this is chadar. He said, okay, chadar, okay. And then he put it around his head like this. He said, what is this now? Oh, this is Devon. Devon, yes, okay. And he put it down, and he wrapped it around his waist like this. He said, what is this now? He said, this is dirty. Dirty, oh. He said, you see, my king, these people can't see. This is just a piece of cloth. Because I put it around my waist, they are, they are, they are considering, to be, considering it to be dirty. When I put it on my head, and then they are thinking that now it has become a turban. When I put it around my shoulders, they think this is turban. But it's just a piece of cloth. So in a similar way, people cannot see. They are seeing dualities, happiness and distress. So even Bilbao, Bilbao wanted to prove this point. That they are not seeing the actual thing they are seeing transformations. Now it is being transformed into a child. Now it is dead. But it's just a piece of cloth. So in a similar way, we are seeing dualities. Oh, now the situation is happy. Now the situation is distressing. But actually there is no such a thing. It's just the same thing, material nature, transforming itself. Yes. But depending on how we are seeing. Yes. So when we rise above these dualities of happiness and distress, and then we can experience ananda, spiritual happiness. But as long as we are affected by dualities, we always go through high and lows, high and lows, because of the changes of material nature. So this is not how a transcendentalist sees. A transcendentalist sees that material nature is just changing because by nature it is in a constant flux. So Bilbao was a wise man. These people don't see. They are just seeing a piece of cloth changing into each other, changing into a dhoti. But I'm just displaying the same thing. So how you see and then depends on your conditioning.
So quite often that's how we see, we see in terms of duality. So even a snake can be seen, can, I mean even a gallant from far may seem like a snake due to lack of knowledge or proper observation. So in a similar way here, Chichaketu is making the same point that this curse for me is nothing. Yes, it's just nothing because even in a dream people become frightened. But when they get up the dream does not exist. So this curse for me is just like distress experienced in a dream. Because when I die I will awaken to my spiritual nature. Which is just like awakening from the dream. So this is the goal of practicing spiritual life. Understanding reality from illusion. So when we come to this understanding, and then we will see things for what they are. We will not be affected by dualities. One will see the mercy of the Lord in any condition. So like here we see that Chitaketu is not disturbed because he understands that uh, this curse by poverty is just something temporal which he has come in contact with <laughs> by the arrangement of concealment. Like yesterday I was explaining how there are different processes of spiritualities. Different processes of spirituality. One has to understand very clearly what is the purpose for our practices. So I was explaining how if you ask a Christian as to what it means to be religious to them, the answer is that to be religious according to Christianity is that one has to accept the passion of Christ or the crucifixion of Christ on the cross that he died so that the sins of man could be redeemed. This is how they believe. And then, if you ask others, like the Jews, or even Muslims and others in the sect, is that to be religious means to follow certain laws and rules and regulations, to observe, observe certain fasting days like that. That process is called a deed. Whereas to believe that Christ died on a cross for redemption of one's sins, that process is called creed. 
But Krishna consciousness is different in that it's not about creed, it's not about deed, it's about smaranam, it's about remembering Krishna. Krishna explains, yam yam bhaptismaran bhavan, that whatever one remembers at the time of that, to that he will attain. But, he says, and whoever remembers me alone at the time of death, he will attain to my abode. For this there is no doubt. This is in chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. So that is the definition of Krishna consciousness. What it means to be Krishna conscious, it means to always remember Krishna and never forget Krishna. Why is that? This is explained in Tattva Sutra by Bhaktivinoda Thakur that the, there are different ways of atonement. Like here, Maharaj Parikshit, when he received the news that he was going to die in seven days, he wanted to engage in a process of atonement of Prayaschita to purify himself. So then the first question that he asked was, what is to be done by a man who is about to die? What should he do? What should he hear? Why? Because ultimately for attainment of moksha one has to atone, one has to purify himself from all or if he has any power. So this was understood in very times. So that is explained by Bhaktivinoda Thakur how it works. So he explains that there are three ways of this prayasthita or atonement. One is that we can atone through karma. And then another way of atonement is through jnana. But the highest is through bhakti. So when we atone through karma, which is very popular here in India, like people engage in the process called Chandrayaan, where you fast during the waxing and the waning of the moon, you eat very little. Hmm? So that process, it can offset the influence of our past path. It can stop it temporarily, but the desire to sin 
and the root cause of desire to sin, which is nascence or ignorance, remains. And then when one engages in the process of prayaschita or atonement through gyan, in gyan one is able to remove the result of his past karma as well as the desire to commit pap in this life. But the nuisance or the ignorance, which is the root cause, remains. So it is explained that this ignorance is due to our aversion towards the Lord. In other words, when the living entity decides to live independently, when he decides to do everything to the exclusion of the Supreme Lord, and then he becomes covered. Avaranatmika, Prakshapatmika. He becomes, his knowledge becomes covered, and then the material energy will pull him down. So that covering can be destroyed by remembrance of Hari, especially through the glorification of the Lord's name, according to Dhaka Sutra. So when we chant Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare. Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare. So this becomes the direct connection just as through internet you can directly connect with Mumbai or New York or Los Angeles. This Hare Krishna Mahamantra is the direct connection with Goloka Vrindavan. Whether you believe it or not, I'm not just making uh, stories or trying to, to perform. This is according to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. <coughs> he said, Ananda Bodhi Vardhanam, that this holy name is like an ocean. Hmm? It's like an ocean, Ananda Bodhi, ocean of bliss. What does it do? It cleanses all the impurities in the heart. Why is that? Because within the Holy Name, the Lord has uh, put all His energies, yes. all the Shaktis. But He says that, unfortunately, even though this holy name is full of your shaktis, oh my Lord. I have no attraction. And then the next loka he says that in order to access the powers of the holy name, one has to become more humble than the bear of grass, more tolerant than a tree, 
and he should give honor to others without expecting honor for himself. If he does that, and then he will constantly chant the holy name. As he chant the holy name, he will come to this realization. Nadanam lajjanam sundarim kavitam vajjanadikshakkamai mamajanmani janmanishvare bhavagat bhakti ravaitu gitvai And then after that, I nandatanum jakinkaram O son of Maharaj Nanda Krishna, I am your eternal servitor, yet somehow or other I am falling into his conditional life. Please pick me up and place me in my original position as a dust, speck of dust at the You see, by chanting the holy name, he awakens into his original position. So everything has been given by Mahaprabhu. So in that way, this Harinam Sangitam is a direct connection to Goloka Bhandarana. Provide that it is chanted with sincerity, with understanding. So, Bhagavad Thakur explains that by remembering Hari, one removes all the things that are giving him trouble in this material. And then he gets connected with the Lord. In other words, the relationship between the two, the giver and the Supreme Lord, is awakened by this glorification of Hari. So that is how one can fully remove himself from material existence by the Prayashtita through Bhakti or atonement through Bhakti. So here also it's the same the same concept is being explained because the king was cursed to die. So he's being told stories of different personalities who faced similar situation. Chitaketu was one of them, but he was not disturbed because in his mind he was always remembering the Lord. Okay, with these few words I will leave you here and see if you have any questions. Pure, is it a sign of pure bhakti or not? 
if someone engaging, engages uh, in bhakti with the idea of atoning for his sins. Yes, you see, this is why bhakti is divided into three aspects. One is uh, sadhana bhakti, and then is bhava bhakti and prema bhakti. So the sadhana bhakti is a platform where we clear ourselves, we clear all the baggage that we are carrying from many lifetimes. And then when we have cleared, and then we can rise to Baba Bhakti, spontaneous devotional service. But Bhakti is meant to regulate our activities so that we can be purified so when we are purified from our hmm, asura, vashanas, and then we can engage in devotional service spontaneously. Because according to our vashanas, we carry a lot from our past. That's why nectar of devotion explains that this process of devotional service is like a fuel that burns all our past pop. Uh, then they are caught in the Puranas that we have the, the sins that are already being experienced and those which are still to fructify properly that example. And he said they are all bent up by the process of bhakti. So bhakti also in the beginning is meant to ban all the simple reactions that we may have carried from our past life according to nectar devotion 